0: Panera favorites are hot and ready to serve for dinner. Taste our creamy mac and cheese served in a crispy bread bowl, or the classic bacon turkey bravo featuring our signature sauce. How about our new mouthwatering Chipotle chicken and bacon flatbread pizza? These and other favorites are waiting for you. Order dinner tonight for delivery or pickup, only at Panera. Availability and pricing may vary.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Flace with today's Tip for Kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. The nicotine in e-cigarettes is addictive and can harm brain development. That's why I worry about teens who try e-cigarettes. Many young people use pod-based e-cigarettes like Juul, which have high levels of nicotine. And because teens' brains are still developing, they can quickly become addicted. The tobacco industry uses fruit and candy flavors to attract young people,
2: often turning them into lifelong users. For more, visit HealthyChildren.org.
3: The views expressed on this program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of KKNW, its management, or other advertisers. This program is sponsored by Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie.
1: Welcome. It's time for Love Living Life on Lift Your Spirits Radio. I am Marla Williams and your host today and the first Friday of every month on 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle. I will be sharing fascinating concepts through inspiring interviews to help you begin to love living your life. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. I am so excited to be here today with my guest, Andy Grant from Real Men Feel. This is going to be an eye-opening interview Uh, because we're going to be talking about a very sensitive subject for many people, but I also think it's a very helpful subject. So, Andy, happy to have you here. Welcome.
0: Thanks. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: I want to start by, during the show today, in and out during breaks, and then at the end of the show, we're going to be playing a song that you were involved in, and it's called Grateful Awakening. And tell me the story about how that song came to be.
0: Cool. I was at a, my, my first big personal growth event. It was a week-long meditation retreat with, with Centerpoint for the makers of Holosync with mm-hmm. CDs I would listen to that would force my brain to meditate because I thought I couldn't. And yeah. it was great. So they did it a full week of using these uh, technologies, and we did holotropic breath work at one point, which I'd never heard of, and that just you know blew me wide open. But Michael Stillwater uh, led some of the meditations, and he's an intuitive musician, and after a meditation... Um, he would just talk to, to me and kind of interview me and like, what was I feeling? And what was I, all the gratitude I had was the big theme for, for that whole week for me and gratitude for being alive and feeling how magical life was really meant to be. And he took the words and just immediately sitting with me began making this song. And so it's, it's a song about and for me and my appreciation for really all that is, which I, I was not consciously aware of before that week.
1: That So that is pretty amazing. Everyone's going to hear this song, Grateful Awakening. Um, Michael Stillwater created it, but he based it on the words he got from Andy after a very deep meditation of gratefulness. And so it's really powerful and it makes you, it'll kind of wake you up to what our topic is today. Because when you focus on being grateful, it's harder to be in the negative or be stuck in life. Because today what we're talking about is being depressed and getting suicidal. And that was Andy's story for a good part of his life. And I'm going to have him start by telling his story um, from when he was very, very young, um, kind of how his life unfolded and how it sent him into a depression and into what I call a head-based place where he was just really living by this voice in his head and being controlled by that. And so, Andy, go ahead and start to tell me your story when you were young. Great.
0: Yeah, um, I started off young, as we said. So my, <laughs> my, my parents um, were high school sweethearts and they, they got pregnant uh, in college. So I was not, uh, a, I was a surprise. Uh, they, they got married. My dad uh, had to drop out of college. Um, and so I was born into a, a stressful situation. There were yeah. debates of whether to keep me or not, you know, an abortion, uh, put them up for adoption. What do we, what do we do? And born into a lot of worry. Uh, my dad ended up, when I was born, my dad was working two full-time jobs, going to school part-time. My mom was working full-time. It was just, you know, it was chaos. Things were tight and scary. They did not last long. I don't have any memories of them, of us as a family. So, and which I used to think meant they lasted like weeks because okay. I would meet other people that could remember being three and four years old. And I, even at age seven, I was consciously aware of that. I don't remember anything in my life before I was five. Wow. And so- my my parents had a very acrimonious divorce. My dad was an alcoholic, uh, dealt with manic depression. The only time I remember my father at my own house was trying to break in and police and lawyers and they fought over me. There was a big custody issue. Mm. At this same time, a next door neighbor who was a, a friend of my dad and looked like my dad started molesting me. Mm. And I thought, if I tell my mom, I'll be the next man kicked out of the house. So I quickly learned, or I I decided that the world was not safe. I couldn't trust men. I couldn't trust adults. And I could not tell anybody what I was experiencing. My mom and my grandparents noticed that my mood really changed around this age. I was a very outgoing, gregarious kid. And I became very sullen, quiet. um, And photos, just my lips are always chapped. I was just nervously licking my lips and... And there's all, all these expressions and everyone just thought it was the divorce like some a, a right. trauma was unfolding in my life, but no one dared think that there might be more than the one. Right. So I, uh, I was a heavy kid. I was a smart kid. Those may, both made for bullying at school. Um, I can remember being at school. I remember the first day of third grade on the school bus and going to the same school I've been going to, but it was going to a different entrance. So a different parking lot, just a different level of the school. And I start bawling and I'm in my head, I'm like, why am I crying? And I'm just can't stop and I'm sobbing. Now people start making fun of me, looking at me. And I I, had, I thought I was crazy. I thought I was losing my mind. And my dad, when I was growing up, would often say that high school were the best years of your life. And it wasn't until I was an adult realizing, well, he had me at 20. He didn't know much more than high school when he was sharing this worldly advice. And again, from elementary school, I decided, well, I don't like this experience. My dad says it peaks. Life, you know, just goes downhill after I'm 18, so I'll live. I'll go to high school and then I will kill myself. But bullying. You were
1: thinking this at a really young age.
0: Yeah, I I I can remember having these conscious thoughts at age seven and eight, and the memories of them. It wasn't a surprise. I can tell that that wasn't the first time. Um. So I almost, you know, sometimes I feel like. You know, I was born and like, hey, this is what I was promised. You know, and I immediately wanted to check out, it feels like sometimes. But yeah. circumstances so, were certainly stacked against me. And I was this really feeling kid. I was sensitive. I was emotional. I cried easy. And it wasn't until later that I realized I was really empathic. Like on that school bus, I was all the fear and, and anxiety of other kids was, was being expressed through me. Right. Like I had no conscious thought of worry. I was looking forward to it. Then suddenly I'm, I'm bawling. Yeah. And it, it just, and I didn't share this. I just, I thought like I was broken. There was something really wrong with me.
1: Yeah. And I think an important point here is for the audience to understand is when there is really negative energy or fearful energy of people around you, when they're running in fear, you feel it, right? And that's exactly what you're talking about when you're in tune and because you were a sensitive child and in tune, even though you had all this stress and trauma going on in your life you could feel other people's fear. And that's what set you off crying, but you had no idea. That's what it was.
0: Right. I thought it was all me. Like I didn't think I had depression. I thought I was a depression. I
1: yeah. thought everybody else
0: was fine and always happy and joyful. And I was just this one messed up, broken individual.
1: Mm-hmm. Broken family, broken dreams, hopes, knowing that it, it ends at high school you know, after high school. So yeah, I can understand why you got depressed and, and feeling suicidal. So keep on rolling.
0: Yeah. And again, I I thought it seemed so logical to me to 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 not want to continue living this way. You know, I was in a, a rather like industrial town. Um, my dad would tell me that alcoholism and mental illness are in the family and they're passed on. I remember being furious. I'm like, well, why did you have me? And I don't have children. It's because I made a decision at a really young age. I would not do this to anybody else. Like I, I did not like the best years of my life. So All I right. would not sentence someone else to that experience. But I thought I would make it till 18. I had this, you know, kind of fantasy of I'll graduate and then I'll die. Um, I did not make it that far. Um, My first attempts were about age 12, multiple attempts through my teens, and again, I thought I was hopeless and helpless, which was this toxic combination.
1: So did you ever in those early years have any light, any happiness, any fun in your life, or was everything pretty stressful and traumatic and everybody working and you were kind of more, you know, you weren't planned, so you were kind of in the way? and you know between the molestation your father leaving you know being a mistake being really empathic but not having anybody to talk to about it did you have any light in those years at all or was it yeah. all this great sure. dark, it was, negative
0: i was not just constantly depressed i had okay. fun i had i had friends i knew my parents loved me i felt supported you know i did well in school but i thought those were the lies i thought those were the abnormalities And whenever the darkness returned i thought ah here's my truth right i had it i had it reversed i really did
1: yeah that's kind of scary
0: it was very scary
1: yeah (laughs) so when you're thinking about you know you when you had your first attempt at 12 what what did you do what was your and what what kind of drove you to that first attempt do you remember
0: I honestly don't because it, it, there's the, all the kind of talk of the last straw and there was no last straw. Like my toxic okay. stew had been going for decades. Yeah. Um, I I remember many things clearly. It was, it was a Sunday night. I was watching TV and every, every commercial break, I went to the bathroom and I just took whatever pills I could thought. Wow. And I just, my goal, I wanted to go to sleep and never wake up. Wow. I was not related to religion. I wasn't, I I just wanted everything to stop. Mm. And, there was bullying there was there, i th- there they might have been a test the next day and i wanted to you know i always was got got a's the, the the ease of of getting a's was starting to i started to need to study as i got older and i mm-hmm. like that felt like false pressure but i think you know it was mostly you know a girl i liked not liking me back it was all these little things but it yeah. was just i've i've had enough i've just for whatever reason i decided today is the day
1: and they were all little things from tests to maybe a girl not liking you that you blew up to big Because of... Again, they
0: reinforced that I'm broken, I'm flawed, I'm a freak, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless. Yeah. And I was looking for evidence of that because that was my mindset.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And you kept getting the evidence with every little thing that happened. You'd you'd add it to the pile. Right. And you'd build your
0: story. good, Good things were just happenstance. Good things, well... You know, there have to be some good things, right? I've made it this far. So, of course, there's some good things.
1: So, when you took the pills and kind of overdosed at 12, what did your parents do?
0: I woke up in the middle of the night, sick. So I was, I was vomiting. My mom found me, and I, and I told her what I'd done. And we, we were both scared. Like at that point, I thought I'll never do this again. No, oh, I want to be alive. This feels horrible. Um, but but that that didn't last.
1: You forgot how bad it felt that night. Yeah. Did I like they, I, I scared myself,
0: but it wasn't I wasn't scared enough. I didn't make any changes.
1: Did they take you to any therapy or anything?
0: It's actually hard to remember because there were attempts later. So
1: yeah, in my somewhere along teens, the I, line.
0: Yeah. I did I was brought to a child psychiatrist, you know, you know. Um my the only time I saw my parents together were after suicide attempts. So I'm sure that probably fueled, oh, I should do this again kind of mentality behind that. But again, I was smart and I, I also, I did not want help. So I would lie. I would tell someone enough stories. So they would tell my parents I was learning and growing. So they would just let me go away. Wow. Uh, Again, I, I thought if anybody knew the depth of my pain, if anybody knew how bad I really felt, they would run.
1: And you had no one that you could talk to.
0: No, these things were never shared at that time. No.
1: Yeah. Wow. So you were like by yourself in your head.
0: Okay, and I was not. I was not nice to myself in my head.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the psychiatrists or that you saw really didn't do much for you.
0: Correct. Yeah, we did. I remember uh, probably my first guided meditation, going back to a happy place and happy memories, and oh yeah, I do feel that great. Then thanks, and I'd leave. I'm like that was dumb. I can't wait to die now, right? I would. Give off the charade of, yeah, I feel wonderful. You're doing a great job with me. Thanks so much. I see the light. And I was just lying.
1: Yeah. Had you at that point been able to remember the molestation or talk about that, or was that not even on the table?
0: No, I had no, I didn't, I didn't recall that until I was 20 years old.
1: Wow. So I think a key message here for people is that things can happen to your child that you're not aware of and it's stuffed inside and it affects their overall well-being because I'm sure that was a key player in this whole thought process besides your dad telling you that everything was your family was mental and the mental health problems which probably made you just feel more broken
0: yeah I I learned later that you know my mom and my grandparents were watching me like people were looking for signs of depression looking for signs that Mm. Andy's not all right you know almost from day one so all that extra focus and attention might have made that energy rise up even more than it would have on its own
1: Okay, okay, and more of a worried watching versus a talking to you. But if they had even sat down and tried to really listen and hear what you were feeling, and you've been able to really speak honestly, you didn't really get to do any of that through your childhood, right? Where you could just—it
0: was my choice. i I was so afraid of. I mean, there's there was there was shame and guilt. Part of why I come out and talk about this now is because as a child, as a teenager. I'd never heard of anyone that was suicidal, and then years later wasn't that this was anything mm. you could change or recover from, or you know. I was so confident my worldview was that life sucks, then you die, and wow. as I saw adults around me, they all seemed pretty miserable. Everybody like lived to get drunk on the weekend. It just no nothing I saw mm. seemed like a life yeah, I wanted because to. Because you live. had
1: this um, family that was not functional in a, or not. Uh, They were too busy. Um, Looks like we have a problem with our internet. Is it yours, mine? Okay. Everything seems
4: to be good. Okay. Yeah, we're still going okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So, yeah. So, very, very frustrating for you to have this kind of uh, family that was just not happy, working all the time. And that was kind of wearing off on you too. So there's all these factors. If you if you think back, there's all these factors from not being wanted to having mental health family to having parents too busy for you to not being wanted, et cetera, et cetera, to the point that it really just made you live in this world of not happiness, right? Yeah,
0: I, I saw myself as a victim of circumstances and that I couldn't do anything about them. And you know, I was like, well, I'll take my ball and go home. Like I don't okay. like this movie. I'm I'm walking out. I've had enough. Wow. Goodbye.
1: Yeah, yeah, scary, um, not not good. So um, you went on to you went on to high school, and was that any better?
0: I, I had longer periods of enjoying things, but you know, I came back. Um, the the notion I at one point I was ranked third in my high school class. And wow. I thought, oh, my God, I'm such a fraud. I'm just the biggest idiot in a sea of idiots. And yeah. I made the biggest attempt in my life. I was away in a mental hospital for over a month. Wow. Um, and I really thought that was the end. I was mad that I lit the first time I made an attempt, I was scared by later yeah. attempts. I was mad that I had not
1: died. Wow. OK, we're going to after break, we're going to talk more with Andy about his life situation and then how he moved from that place of darkness into where he exists today. You are listening to Love Living Life with Marla Williams, and we'll be right back.
3: Welcome to Love Living Life with Marla
1: Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio. I will be your host the first Friday of the month on 1150 AM KKNW Seattle. I will be introducing you to fascinating concepts, giving you unique energy tools and interviewing inspiring guests that will help you create a life that you love.
3: Are your medical expenses increasing, but your health is not improving? True Health offers unique services where Kasara empowers clients with intuition, education, and proven resources. Better choices can be made when information is available. Now's the time to visit truehealth.com, that's T-R-U, health.com, and schedule your appointment to achieve your health goals. Your body will thank you. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk,
5: 1150. Yes, the light in me is guiding me, guiding me. I am not alone.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Love Living Life with Marla Williams. And we just heard a small amount of Grateful Awakening, the song that um, came from a deep meditation that Andy Grant was in. My guest, Andy Grant from Real Menfield. We've been talking about his early years and suicidal thoughts and depression and how he was stuck in his head. And we're going to finish off a little bit talking about his high school, college, and then we're going to move into what was kind of the changing force in his life. So, Andy, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, moving from high school, um, getting past that and into college uh, years.
0: So I had multiple college scholarships, full academic scholarships to multiple schools. I only applied to schools when my mom made me. I only applied to schools. They didn't have an essay. I, I had... I. St- A lot, a large part of me still believed I was not going to live past high school. I had no, I had no goals. I had no interest. I, it was, uh, it was probably the worst time forever for my, for my parents. I was, you know, fighting against them and I was angry at them. I was angry at me. And it was like, no one believed me that I really wanted to die. And, and I really believe, and I, you know, it, it was just, it was mistaken beliefs on my part, but so I did not go to uh, I did not go right away to college. I ended up going to a community college because some of my friends did, and there was a mandatory public speaking class there that terrified me. So I I went from straight A's the first semester to straight F's because I stopped going, and wow. I also made more attempts on my life. And w- one particular attempt, I think it was like my my sixth attempt, and it was I had I was repeating a means that already had not worked. And yeah. I'm just like, what is wrong with me? Well, I, mean, I can't live. I can't die. I'm hor- horrible at all these things. And I'm just bawling in the fetal position and and really begging for help. And, yeah. you know, looking back, I, I was praying for the first time. I was asking mm. for God's assistance. I was asking to see some point to all this. And I finally to, began to get the, the glimmer of the possibility of hope and that yeah. there was another way. And there was yeah. a better way to navigate my life. And that it was like, what, what if you've been living through this so that you could share and help other people? Maybe this all has a point and the point can be service. And that was the first time I had thought of that. That was the first time yeah. that struck me. And I finally, I felt good. I felt hopeful. Yeah. And that was the point I was willing to take responsibility. I actually wanted help. And that was the first time. It had all been going through the motions, telling people enough to make them go away from me. Now I wanted help. Wow. And that was the last time... I, I made an attempt on my life.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is amazing. And I think what's really powerful here that would be helpful for people to understand is that your life story does dictate who you are, what you're meant to be doing in this world. And your life story of that struggle and depression and suicide has put you in a position which people are going to learn more about where you help others understand this and work through it and heal just as you ended up healing, which we'll get to. That's but that's amazing. So it was the prayer, the first time praying, believing in the power of prayer, that you actually started to feel good.
0: Yeah, I was not raised with any sort of religion, which I thought as a kid made me an atheist. Um yeah. so I was I was more officially, I guess, agnostic. I just didn't believe in anything. And yeah. again, my my so I, I didn't have the notion of of sin or hell or heaven weighing on me. I I just I thought I wanted my life to stop. And it was I didn't like I didn't like myself. I didn't like my life. And instead of learning tools to change that, I just wanted to give up, give up, just leave.
1: Right, right. That's amazing. So did you ever finish college or? Yep.
0: I had there was one scholarship that uh, I lived in Massachusetts. There was a scholarship at the University of Massachusetts that I could could keep delaying. So I delayed it for two years. And then then finally, I got fine. I'll go. And again wow. it was only because I had friends there and friends were transferring so yeah. I went because it felt you know safest yes. I, I wouldn't feel alone um but yet I ended up I ended up getting assigned a single room so I mm. could still be uh emotional and and a, and a mess and you know I did all the the trappings of what I thought a, a good life for a young man was and you know plenty of partying and yeah. but my my drinking always ended up with in sadness and depression yeah, and, you know, I was—I've abandoned every friend I had somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to a party, and I'm the good man. By the end of the night, I'm depressed. And I'm like, all right, I'm—you're—I abandon them. And so, a good
1: lesson was not to be drinking and partying at that time. Yeah, but
0: I ignored that lesson. Yeah, and and there were plots, there were plannings, there were many. Oh, maybe this spring break, I'll kill myself. Maybe I'll just—you yeah. know—and again something about the endings goodbyes i st- i thought well i'll go to college i'll enjoy it and then i'll die i was just willing to move my ending date that was really yeah. all that was happening because i was yeah. not doing the inner work yet i was just going along through the motions of pretending everything was good still
1: okay so it was after college that you did the praying and then no it, it was be- got- it was before it was- i did the
0: praying so i had hope okay but i yeah. i had hope i did not have a path to development
1: <laughs> okay okay so I was willing okay.
0: by willing, my willingness. I saw a psychiatrist. I tried medication. I did these things. Um, then, after mm-hmm. college, I, I had my first job and I was in this really distorted relationship. I, I got involved with a married woman at work. Uh, She told me that all women cheat, and this is how all marriages work, and you should just get used to this. And I was like, oh, okay. Another wonderful
1: life lesson. Yes.
0: (laughs) So I was getting this very distorted life training, (laughs) and I found myself very depressed, suicidal, talking about it. And what felt like just a huge growth in maturity, I put myself in an ER instead of making an attempt on my life.
1: Beautiful.
0: And and that was the last time I was hospitalized. And as I told doctors what I was going through, they were like, "This is all your actual life situation. You don't like how you're living." I'm like, "Yes. What do I do about it?" You know. Yeah. So, and I had this really you know, life supported me in such a way, I would always come out of mental hospitals and land in a better situation. I wow. I left that time and got a new job with a promotion and I could found a place to live and didn't have to continue this relationship that I felt just tied to. It was all I had. Like be- being involved in a dysfunctional relationship was better than being alone, I thought.
1: Because mm-hmm. that's all you knew was dysfunction. Yeah. Right,
0: right. Yeah. yeah, I ended up living with her and it was a secret. So I couldn't answer the phone where I lived. Like it was just mm-hmm. really bad. And I was just making my childhood again. Right. I'm yeah. just living lies, not able to speak, not able to share anything. Yeah. So b- broke out of that. And again, I was just like, please, I just want someone normal. And right. I wasn't looking for it. And that's when I found my wife. And we've now been married, you know, 24 years. Wow. So normalcy wow.
1: is out there. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about the big, the big change, the big awakening. And that was you were like in your 30s by then,
3: yeah. right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've been doing little things personal growth, discovering spirituality. Like I was at this point I was willing to be wrong. I was willing to discover things. I I tried Scientology for a year. I mean, I was they kicked me out. Like I wasn't even good <laughs> enough for a cult. <laughs> Probably a good thing. Yeah.
1: For but you. It, you know,
0: but, yeah. but that that's how willing to explore and to mm-hmm. look within and and I was and you know, I remember uh, when the secret first came out and just I can control my I can control my thoughts and that makes my emotions like I had been mm-hmm. raised and taught that my, I was I had dysfunctional chemistry right I was yeah. a victim of my chemicals I was a victim of my emotions that's what I had been raised to believe and yeah. now I, I now it, wait what if it's reversed what if yeah. what I choose to focus on changes my emotions and changes my chemistry that made yeah. so much more sense and it gave me a sense of responsibility so from there I'm getting into meditation and following different energy workers and uh, then in you know early 30s, I, I was on an internet call with thousands of people listening to some man named David Morelli lead us through a meditation. And it wasn't a meditation of just being quiet and saying Om. It was a meditation of calling forth energy. And I yeah. felt this surge through my body. And I was like, what is going on? I've never felt so alive. This is amazing. I, I felt like Iron Man and I could just shoot out energy out of my palms. And I was like, I have no idea what's happening, but I've got to keep doing this. I've got to learn what this is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's what Dave, that's what we have in common is David Morelli. Both Andy and I ended up in a program being trained about energy from David Morelli and it changed your life and it changed my life. I had been, if anyone remembers my story, I'd lived a stress-filled life and really to the point that my doctor said, if you don't stop, you will die. And I had to stop and heal myself. And that's when David showed up in my life. I was listening to a summit with thousands of people and he was taking me through this process and I had to learn more. I felt the energy in my body. And I started to, go. what is he talking about? What is this energy thing? and you kind of had the same experience.
0: Oh, for sure. At at that point, uh, David was leaving like multiple 40-day programs. So I did these multiple 40 days and I kept, "When are you going to do some when are you going to teach me what you're doing instead of like doing it to us? I don't want to be led. I want to be able to do this." Yeah. And uh, so we finally did and it was a year-long program and and I took it to to clean my energy. And this this is when I was really discovering that I had been this empathic kid. I was this energetic sponge w- without boundaries and all the strongest emotions in any room would come through me. And I yes. thought they all were me. Yeah. Again, so instead of thinking I had depression, and think instead of thinking I had suicidal thoughts, I thought I was suicide. I thought it was my. I thought this thought returns because I'm supposed to do it. Yeah. And and I'm so glad to discover how wrong I was.
1: Yeah. And that absolutely changed your life.
0: Oh yeah, it, it gave me life.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so let's talk about energy for a minute, because a lot of people say, "Oh, energy is woo-woo." You know, and Eastern medicine has followed energy for years and years and years and use it, you know, through yoga, through Tai Chi, through Qigong, all different types of practices and medicine revolves around the energy in our being. And in the Western United States or in the Western culture, people don't understand that as well because they think it's woo-woo. They think, oh, it's that woo-woo stuff. But in reality, think about what people say every day oh, I feel I'm so tired. I just have no energy. Well, you're talking about energy. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, that person just has such great energy. I love to be around them. So you're reading energy. You're feeling energy. It's not a woo-woo thing. Energy is in our body. And when you are blocking out the negative, I mean, just even watching the news can drain your energy. Having those negative thoughts that you used to live in drains your energy and all of that puts you in that that sensitive place right but when you're focused on what you do want your thoughts become things and people have a tough time even understanding that but it's putting neurochemicals in your body and creating your reality your thoughts become things that affects your energy and so yeah go ahead
0: you know, everything is made twice. Everything you see in the room you're in was first a thought in someone in an inventor's mind, right? So that's that's the easiest way that thoughts become things. You must first think of something before you ever make it, before you create it, before you manifest yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, we, energy is just it's life force. It's yes. something is making my heartbeat. Mm-hmm. If I try to hold my breath, something is forcing me to take a next breath. Right? right. There is something more than us. It, groundbreaking you know i believed i was just this meat suit yeah. i believed i was a victim of bad chemicals no yeah. we are more we truly are multidimensional. we are spiritual beings having a physical experience we are energy at our source we are energy at the yes. source of every problem we think we have it's energy yeah which is great because that's energy can be changed
1: right Right. And in my case, and having stress related diseases and getting burned out all the time, my energy was really low because I wore my body out and my energy circuits were blocked and not working as well. And that decreases your life force and your ability to respond to life. And it affects, you know, your thoughts become things focus on what you do want. Well, I was always going, oh, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. Well, guess what? I felt worse. Because I kept saying I was so stressed and I was not feeling good, and you just and just like you as a young child, oh, I don't want to live. You know, and the more you thought that, the more your body was getting that message, and the more you were decreasing your life force and decreasing right. your energy.
0: Yeah, I I had become addicted to the chemicals made by my suicidal thinking. Yeah. I was addicted to my own negativity yes. until I did the clearing work. I worked with the energy and like, wait, there's there's all this more like. I thought happy people were like flat and static. They every, I thought everybody normal was like Ned Flanders, just Oakley dokey, everything's great, and everybody was like high all the time. Yeah. I, didn't, I came to realize, it, no, the roller coaster of life and the roller coaster of emotions is normal. It's the roller coaster of of emotions, but right. we all can be, and indeed, I believe our goal should be like high, higher highs and higher lows. Right, the up and down is keeps going up. Our overall trajectory is up, but with ups and downs. We're all Dance. gonna have dips.
1: You know, the way I see that is when I was in college and I was getting stressed all the time and I was having really high highs and really low lows, I actually became really aware of it one day after my grandfather died. I was walking on a beach and I was really crying and upset and I was having troubles with my boyfriends at the time. And I thought, I'm so tired of this high and this low and this high and this low. I'm just going to squash that down a little bit. I'm going to have less high low highs and less low lows. And it actually worked being aware of it, that I'd actually catch myself going too high and go, oh, just breathe, calm yourself. And I learned that uh, I, I actually ended up getting more balance in my life by, by actually seeing the thoughts that I was having that took me high or took me low. And it helped me balance out my life. Is that similar to what you experience?
0: Yeah, it's realizing that correlation. And every emotion serves us. It's yeah. giving us feedback. That's our GPS. Mm-hmm. So when I was thinking about how miserable everything was and that I was better off dead, I felt worse. When yeah. I chose a better feeling thought, again, that thought had me feel, better. I'm like, wait, I, I'm actually more in control than I ever knew or realized. Yes. And that's taking responsibility. That That's being in charge of your own life.
1: Yeah. And I think that's big is you, we have control. Yeah. Each person has control their own thoughts people is when you're having you don't like is just pull it out like it's a physical thing and talk to it and ask you know what are you supposed to learn from that thought do you really need it and how do you want to change it and then just release it throw it away and replace it with what you do want focusing on what you do want that actually is a really helpful very simple kind of goofy sounding tool but it works yeah indeed yeah i do it all the time
0: yeah we can't get anything we don't ask for
1: yeah exactly i found how powerful we can be just with that thought alone when it comes to suicide depression anything like that if you realize you're in control of your thoughts you can change your circumstances but as a young person that's really hard to understand so we're going to go to break now so stay tuned and we're going to be right back with more love living life after break
2: Are you planning your next move? We know it can be stressful, but at a swift move, you can relax and leave the work to us. You can put your mind at ease that your personal items will be safe throughout the entire moving process. To get a free quote from licensed professionals so you can compare and save, call us at 425-309-0577. That's 425-309-0577. So make your next move a swift one and give us a call.
4: Mark your calendars for the 2021 Virtual Northwest Green Home Tour. This virtual tour is a free educational interactive online event showcasing sustainable green homes, remodels and energy retrofits throughout the Pacific Northwest. The show runs for three consecutive Saturdays, May 1st, 8th and the 15th, with different projects on each day. The Northwest Green Home Tour provides an opportunity for members of the community to learn about sustainable building practices from the people and businesses that support it, including builders, contractors, suppliers and green homeowners. Join them online to see amazing projects such as backyard cottages, whole house remodels, new construction, and learn about successful green building implementation on May 1st, 8th, and the 15th. Registration is free. Donations are greatly appreciated. Experience the 2021 projects by registering at nwgreenhometour.org. That's nwgreenhometour.org to custom design your tour today.
2: To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening.
3: Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Oh, yeah, Awakening with you.
1: Thank you so much for listening to love living life today. We are discussing depression and suicide, and it's been a tough subject and a tough life that Andy has gone through, but we're going to turn that a little bit now and talk about some of the things that he does. I do in my life to make it better as well as some things that some parents can do to help their child get to a more positive place. So welcome back, Andy. Um, so after going through energy, learning about energy, learning about how powerful your thoughts are, if you were to go back and do it all again based on what you know today, you know what might you share that parents can be aware of and what could be done differently?
0: Well, the the biggest thing I think to be aware of is you, you can't help anybody that doesn't want help. And for a long time, I was just I was I was not sharing, so no one could help me because I wasn't willing to do it. Right. And a parent just has to like survive that, and that's like the hardest part and you know i haven't my mom always loved and supported me. other people aren't like that, but she's my mom, she's supposed to, so it didn't mean it it didn't carry the weight and If my mom was ever furious with me, I was like, "Wow, now even my mom isn't on my side. See that's how what a loser I am, so parents really can't win but just be there. Keep letting your child know that you're there, that they can tell you anything. And, and and if it's true, if they can't tell you anything and you can just be there, hear it, receive it, not strike back, not, uh, you know, get triggered later. But if you can just be there with them, you know, one of the big myths about suicide is that saying that word will make people do it. Right. And, and it's just not the case. All, all that fuel that, you know, it's, it's in there. If it's there, it's in there. You're not going to get it. Uh, you're not going to make someone more suicidal by asking, are you suicidal? Right. And I had this really, I was bizarrely honest. I think it's because none of us, we don't, we think we want to die. We don't really. Yeah. You know, we want our pain to stop. So if people yeah. ask me, are you safe? Can you promise me that you'll get through this weekend or can I leave you here? You know, and I now like, mm-hmm. I would pause and think, like, yeah, right? I, I, I really thought people would be better off if I was gone, but I knew that mm-hmm. finding, you know, my finding me, you know, me dying today would upset people. So I'm like, okay, no, I can, I can promise you this weekend, you know, we can be fine. But, when I was growing up, it was just the medical model. That's all there was, yeah. and it didn't work for me. Right. So there were so many uh, opportunities, so many uh, alternatives. Don't give up. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing I would tell parents: unconditional love. Don't give up. Let them know that you are there. They can tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you. And and often what they what what I finally would tell people, you know, what their fears were way worse than anything I actually shared. I'm just really sad and depressed. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like my life but I didn't yeah. know I could change it. Again, I, I had this victim mentality. Right. And we are way more in charge. We have way more control over our thoughts, over our destiny than we realize. Yeah. And, and everything I wish I had known at 16 and 17, I, I wrote in a book for this very purpose, to, to get it out there um, because I can't time travel, but at least right. my lessons can be shared with others.
1: And so, so what's the name of your book?
0: It's called Still Here, How to Succeed in Life After Failing at Suicide. Okay. And you know, is it it available on
1: Amazon or how do people find that?
0: Yep, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Nobles Everywhere. That's audiobook, ebook, and paperback. And still. Still here. Okay, good. And
1: yeah, because that will be valuable for people to be able to uh, use that book as something for parents to maybe read and understand as well as share with their children if necessary.
0: Yeah, I've heard from people that have, that have lost family members to side, people that are going with it. It's, it's gotten um, really positive impacts from from just beyond my own. But it, it, it's practical. It's full of advice and tips and techniques. Um, so many things I do today on a daily basis to keep my mood, to keep my energy up. Things I do with clients on a daily basis are things I used to make fun of. Things I used to think were nonsense. Yeah. The first book I ever wrote was about positive affirmations, which yeah. I thought was just absolute BS. And just what a bunch of malarkey that is until I did them. Yes. <laughs> so I always encourage yeah. people trust your experience, not the stories, not even my stories. Hopefully I tell you about something or Marla shares something that interests you enough to try it, but you trust yeah. your experience. Right. You know, one of the Not most everything
1: common- works for everybody. Everybody has to find what they can relate to and what they like. Right. Just like you have.
0: Yeah. One but- of the things that, that, um, therapists told me the most was, you know, journal, you got to journal. And mm-hmm. to me, you know, as a teenager and in my twenties, You know, I don't want some little girl with her My Princess Diary thing like that. Just I'm not. That's ridiculous. When I finally started journaling, it was magical. It gave it gave the ruminating thoughts somewhere to go. I wasn't just carrying Mm -hmm. it. And then Mm -hmm. a gratitude practice. I've been doing a gratitude journal since 2008. And it's transformative. You, You can set the tone of your day. You set your energy, as we've been talking about
1: exactly and i used to journal when i was a young child and got upset and that was really healing but when i got into college and started getting to the high stress and early years in my corporate america when i was always highly stressed that went by the wayside and that really impacted me and when i built that in again you're right you let go of problems you let go of fears you let go of concerns when you journal and so being able to do that is extremely powerful
0: yeah and you mentioned what worked when you find something that works keep using it. Like yeah. a mistake I made was like, well, I feel better now. I'll stop doing those things. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, wow. Then I, I, I could backslide. Like oh, the, that the, the longest, key, key yeah. Point. The longest habits I've had weren't good. Right. <laughs> so if I right. stop putting the focus and effort on bettering myself, then it, it's easy to backslide.
1: Yeah. I know so many people who start out with great ambition. I'm going to pick up this habit. I'm going to journal. I'm going to, um, you know, do gratefuls. I'm going to think positive thoughts. And then they do it for a week, they feel better, and then they stop. Mm -hmm. And they go right back to where they started. And so one of the big things that I talk about as a coach and helping people through things like this is that consistency building it. I call it a daily practice. I start every single day with my daily practice and that is breathing and grounding and being grateful and focusing on what I do want with intention. Um, but it's also getting your body into that calmer state because when you think about your life, it was kind of wild and crazy. And so was mine. And when you're bouncing from here to there, it's hard to just be present and to feel what your body feels and thus you live in your head more. Right?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I, I- all of our traumas and wounds are carried in our body and that can sound Mm -hmm. scary. And I don't want to feel that. So we leave our body and it just becomes this container of wounds. (laughs) But I, you know, I I finally learned that when I was willing to feel everything, the moment it showed up, it passed quickly and easily. Uh, Again, there's not bad and good emotions. There's just, do they serve me or don't they? Yeah. But sometimes like, Oh, that feels uncomfortable. I don't want to touch it. And we, you know, we, we go into our heads. We leave our body. But yeah. our willingness to have a dark night of the soul, our, our willingness to feel bad for five minutes can can stop the resistance of that that creates stress and disease for years.
1: And then let it go, right? And really with men wanting men to feel and young boys, because they're taught to be tough and yeah. don't wear your feelings on your sleeve and don't be so, don't be such a girl, right? So from a young age, you're kind of taught not to feel right. as a male, right? Yeah. And that's a big piece of this whole thing is really feeling and working through it and then being able to release it.
0: Sometimes the bravest thing you can do is ask for help. Yeah. And, and men that want to be fearless. Well, fearless, it's fear less. doesn't mean you don't have fears. It means you acknowledge them. Like real men feel my podcast was really created with this, this notion of what if we saw as, wow, what a tough guy that is. Look at that macho man over there crying in public right? That we celebrate, we raise emotions. It's not something that's, you know, uh, it's not just shameful and horrible, you know, that we are all human beings. We are all emotional beings. And again, I've said it over and over, emotions do serve us.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I, I love, you know, our stories are different, but we use the same tools Mm -hmm. in finding ourselves and healing ourselves.
4: Because it's all energy.
1: Yeah, it's energy. Yeah. <laughs> it's und- and emotions are energy, right? right? Yeah, yeah. It's really and then so I think if we were going to leave some really good lessons for parents is be there present for mm-hmm. your kids and listen if they talk and don't be afraid to ask questions or ask if they're suicidal or ask. But asking allowing boys to feel and being able to express their feelings their emotions is very very important. Um, you know, I had a client that I worked with that was suicidal, tried suicide three times, and she was just in a life that she didn't love. And all she could focus on was all the misery. When we started building things into her life that she loved, that made her feel good, like just biking or swimming, getting outside, she actually transformed her life and never became suicidal again. At this point, she's living a fuller life. And I think you have many stories, story after story after story Of getting people out of that head, that loop, that negative loop and allowing them to to find the positive and to get more life force energy, positive emotions, feeling within them of being able to go through that roller coaster of up and down, but control it and release it and move on.
0: Yeah, I've had so many uh, amazing experiences with clients and getting to, to celebrate life and to take ownership of the good. Not just focus on on the bad. Um, I, I've I've sent guys to to go bowling who have never bowled before, so that they would have some sp- something specific to fail at, instead of feeling they were a failure and everything. Like go try something new to intent with the goal of being horrible at it, and then you can free yourself up and take ownership and celebrate the other things you've accomplished.
1: Wow, I so, never would have thought of that. That's oh. that's an interesting tactic. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's, it's for people that are like hooked. If they, It was guys that really just kept seeing themselves as a failure. So like, well, let's make a new thing to go fail at. And there's yeah. go there goes your failure, failure aspect of you and give freedom to the rest of you.
5: Mm,
1: and that but, works.
0: Oh, yeah. It was transformative. You couldn't believe it. Yeah. when it, it, it worked really fast. But okay. again, our, our emotions are telling us things. If we're feeling happy or sad, it's telling you about your thoughts and about your actions. And you can change those. Yeah. Like that's we have free will. It's you know, it's this blessing and curse. But so many people, we we get stuck in victimhood. We just think we're at the mercy. We think our circumstances are stronger than we are, and that's the huge mistake in thinking.
1: Well, and the, I think the reason that happens, if you think about it, if you hurt something in your body, all your focus goes to what hurts on your body. It's hard mm-hmm. to not think about it because it hurts. When you're in a painful life or in a happy situation, you spend all your energy and your time and your thoughts on that negative. And you put yourself in this negative swirl of a continue, continually being in that spot. And so learning that, to realize that you're there, catch yourself, and being able to turn it around and, and put more positive in your life is really, really important.
0: Yeah. So many men I deal with that emotion is seems painful, so they resist it. They deny it. They stuff mm. it. They don't feel it. Like the broken arm, oh, that hurts. I'll get it fixed but right. the broken heart well i'm a man i don't know i'm not even supposed to have a heart i can't speak of my wounds i can't talk of my shame and my guilt no no i'm i'm afraid of being judged and ostracized what well, I, I need to man up i need to deny this feeling you know that right. that's the curse of 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 a version of masculinity that's so rampant in our society
1: yeah and you've broken through that and you work with men on these types of things and you've had great success yeah. in yeah, real I, men feel
0: yeah, uh, relationships saved, lives saved. You know, wow. got, people realize that they are much more in control if they're willing to feel. You you, you can't think your emotions. Right. Right, no matter how hard you try, and if you think about them, but no, they are meant to be felt. And all this energy talk, you know, emotions are really energy in motion. Our emotions want to move through us. They don't want to just sit around and be stuck.
1: Right, and that's where they get when we're stuck on what's not working.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, these are yoga and, practices and meditation practice, all these things are about flow and, and movement and created creative expression. I've met yeah. so many guys that, you know, from a young age, they were told not to be artistic, not not to express themselves. And they've got to like unlearn that and be willing. It can come down to be willing to be wrong.
1: Right. Right.
0: right? So many and, men, and I was one of them. i i I would I thought being right was the most important thing. Yeah. And now being happy is the most important thing. And if I happen to be right in happy, well, great. That's a bonus day. (laughs) Awesome.
1: I love that. That is awesome. So let's talk again about where. So first of all, your book is still here and it's available on Amazon. It would be a great book for parents to learn more, but also for later teens um, to give them tools and understanding of feeling, right? Correct. Awesome. And then people can, where can people find you?
0: So the best uh, hub for me is the andygrant.com. That's T-H-E, andygrant.com. You'll have access to books and programs and coaching. And my podcast, Real Men Feel, is launched from there. But uh, Real Men Feel is is not just for men. We have plenty of female listeners and guests uh, because the big secret behind the show is that we are all human and we all have emotions.
1: And we all need to be honest and feel what we do feel. So this has been awesome. I appreciate you coming onto the show, being vulnerable, sharing your story. I love that you're in this world to help others deal with depression, deal with suicide, deal with feeling, and that I think you can make, you do make a big difference in many people's lives. So I am thrilled that you were my guest today, and I thank you for being here.
0: Uh, Thank you so much. It it is my pleasure. And I can finally own that, that joy of life. And yeah, I do help people and service matters and it makes you feel good.
1: Yeah. So check out Andy on his websites that he shared, uh, andygrant.com, as well as Real Men Feel. And join us next week for more people, places, and activities that will lift your spirits. My next show is the first Friday of the month, June 4th, for Love Living Life on Lift Your Swiss Radio, and it will be with an amazing guest and talking about the power of sound and sound in healing, because that has made a big difference in my life. And that tends to be what I like to have on the show, because I know it can make a difference in your life. Thanks for being here.
5: To something greater Living inside my soul I'm awakening To something greater Showing me where to go I know that it is always here in me It's the light That's setting me free And I know that I'm safe wherever I go Yes, I know I'm safe wherever I go I'm awakening with you, yeah. I'm awake, awakening with you, yeah. Awakening. I fall But I can hear The inner call That leads me back To what I know That I am free Wherever I go I live the light That shines inside And so I never Need to hide I show myself Just as I am and now I truly understand That I'm awakening with you and I'm revealing what is true The light that shines from deep inside The light from which I'll never hide I'm waking up with you today i'm celebrating on my way i'm learning that i've come to find i'm on my path and i am kind and i reveal the love inside and let you know that you are on my way with me and i am Grateful now to say we're awakening. Grateful awakening. We're on a grateful awakening. A grateful Waken <clears throat>